All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Awesome, awesome. Good to see so many people and happy Mother's Day. And I hope as we think and reflect on our own mothers, we can uh, have some joy that God brings back those, uh, those thoughts to our memories. And uh, I just want to thank you to families. I, I love seeing those kids heading off to our Kids Rock. If there's something about, yeah, I'm going to take the time to get them ready, which is hard. Let's just admit it, it's hard to be able to get them here so that they start to learn some things about God. And what a better place to do that, uh, except in church. So thank you for doing that. Parents, I hope you can rest and relax for the short time <laughs> and, and just take it in and uh, listen to God's word and, uh, and reflect on all that he's done for us. Let's pray and let's uh, jump into uh, in today's lesson. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I love you. <laughs> You're so good to us. And sometimes that goodness is really foggy and we can't see that really well. And I'm going to ask a big prayer request for right now, today, this moment. That in this message that you would clear some of the fog away and that we would see your goodness. Please reveal it, God. Please reveal it. I need it. We all need it. To know that you're alive and well and active and you're good. So, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you'll open up our minds and hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, I still can't help. I look at when everybody comes in this room. Uh, I'm, I feel very pastoral. It's like really weird. I, go, I pray for you. I pray for you. I pray for you. <laughs> and, and there's so many people that you don't realize I carry the weight of so many people through the week. But it's a joyful thing. It's something I love to do as God brings people up to my mind and heart to pray. And uh, I, there's always fun people to see come back, for, you know, from the COVID times. Thank you for taking the risk. And then there's some new folks coming. I'm not going to point them out because we don't embarrass people here. But I have, I have a friend from Starbucks. Yes, I'm going to say it. All right, Starbucks, Upper James, <clears throat> right beside the Pizza Pizza where we all need to buy our, our drinks from. Anyway, she and her husband and her family are here. Can we just, uh, we're not going to make them, you know, but can we just say welcome to Church on the Rock? And if you welcome somebody you might not know and they have the smell of coffee around them, then you know who they are. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I apologize. All right. Okay. I'm going to talk about a whole wonderful ministry at the church, and it's the ministry of babies. All right. Let's hear it for babies. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> for all of you who take those little newborns and, and bring them here, thank you. And, and don't, don't think you are just like uh, being too motherly or fatherly to go and expose them to, you know, just let us look at their little noses and their little eyes and, uh, and just see the miracle of a baby. Every time I, I look at one of these babies, I'm going, how did that happen? Well, I know how it happened, but... <clears throat> How did that happen? All sort of in the dark in the cooker. And it like got cooked up and it came out like that. 
And uh, I, I know, like, I, as you know, I, I have a hobby of being uh, loving biology and, and human physiology uh, with my undergrad degree. But the, the thing is, like, I know right at these moments, all the, the quadrillion synapses in their brain, they're just forming. Their brain is weaving things that is amazing, at amazing speed right now in this very second. And so that little brain of theirs is going to develop into the miracle of the universe, of the, it has, is more complex than anything we know. And their little eyes, do you ever see those little eyes just sort of taking it all in? And you go, wow, you know, are they thinking anything? You know they're, they're just taking in everything, right? Every little tiny bit. And, uh, you know, you probably heard the studies, right? If you expose, you know, uh, young children before uh, six months to various languages, their brains are weaving the inflections of those languages. So, you know, here, talk to my baby, right? All that kind of stuff. It's just, it's a miracle. And you know the thing I love best about little babies is their fingernails. Have you ever noticed those things? They're like like perfect little tiny things. They're so little. They're just amazing. Every time I see this, these newborns, I say this is a miracle. There is a God. There is a God. They are not a mass of really lucky matter that happened to come together. In this crazy planet where there's perfect oxygen, a perfect atmosphere that filters out the bad rays, the perfect temperature that's just this perfect distance from the sun. You know what? Even our moon, we have the perfect size moon. If we didn't have the moons, the tides would not happen. And if the tides did not happen, then the nutrients would not be stirred up and we would not have, have the ocean blooming, which gives us oxygen to breathe. This place is perfection, 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 and a a baby is just a, a little picture of that perfection. So, okay, families, keep on having them, all right? Keep on showing them off, yeah? I want you to stop and just say, oh, no, that's not cute. Okay, just go, wow. There is a God. There must be a God. And I hope those of us who are, are, are wavering and trying to figure out if there is one, look, look at those miracles closely. Yet I know, can we be just honest? It's not all fun and, and, and roses. There's, as I walk through a graveyard, I look and there's sometimes a little section in older sections of the graveyard where they have baby graves, right? They, little baby tombstones. I, I'm, maybe I'm weird. I have to stop in front of there and just, I let it take my breath away and just imagine what it did to the parents so long ago. Those so close must be tempted to scream, there is no God. Isn't that wild? The same event can say there must be a God and then cause people to say there must not be a God. This series, and we take a series and dig down deep in it for about four weeks and we're on week number two. This week is for those who have been hit by doubt. Those who have been hit by doubt. If you're on your way to God, if you're not there yet, if you're not a believer, I want you to understand what us Christians are talking about when we say we, you have to have faith. You don't have to have perfect faith. You don't have to say, well, I believe every single thing. No, no, no. There are some key things we ask you to believe. There is a God that his name is Jesus, and he died and rose again to take away your sins. That's pretty much it, all right? So, so those are the key things we ask you to believe and step into and trust. So... If you're on your way to God, 
all the other stuff we're trying to figure out, we do this in community. And that's one of the reasons why we do church. That's one of the reasons why we have a prayer corner where people can go back and be prayed for in the midst of life that just does not seem to be working out well. But, but for those of you here that don't doubt, don't worry. It's not like, oh, do I have to be doubt to, you know, have doubt to be mature? No. Keep a childlike faith and just like keep on believing. It's awesome. It's just like somebody, I never doubt gravity. It's just like, oh, like some people doubt it, but I just believe it and sort of live in light of it. Well, that's good. All right. Just keep on doing that one. All right. Just live in life of light of reality. But those who do doubt, you're in good company, the disciples doubt, there's a long list of biblical heroes that did it. And so first point I want to bring to this series is doubt is not the end of faith. We, we try and work through these things in community. It's not nowhere we, we, we want to stay, but it is something, it's not the end of faith. We just don't want it to become a, a way of life. And last week we looked at Sarah and Abraham, how she heard from God that she would have a child. And yet she was 100 years old, which makes certain things just difficult, all right, just in the whole realm of, you know, even, you know, getting up and, uh, and trying to take care of a baby. She heard that promise 25 years previously. Maybe she had it wrong. Maybe it was her imagination. Maybe she was too bad of a person for God to actually fulfill his promises to her. And yet the angel shows up and she said, okay, we're going to try again. And Sarah just kept on walking in the dark, kept on walking in the dark. I think it's significant that God wanted to tell Abraham the promise again when Sarah was in hearing distance, because I think we need to work through these things together. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. So hold tightly to the, to the hope. Hope in the Bible means uh, anticipation, to all that we anticipate that God would do. So hold on to that. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. And those of you who read the Bible regularly will, un, will recognize Hebrew chapter 10. Hebrew chapter 10, verses 24, 25. So, so it says, so let's keep on meeting together. So in other words, we have to hold on to hope. Why? Because we need to keep on meeting together so we can help each other. In fact, I probably the best metaphor for it, we need to hold each other's hand in the dark. We need to hold each, other hand, each other's hand in the dark. We don't walk alone through dark, as Jude 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. We're going to look at our next biblical doubter is John the Baptist, all right? Or John the Baptizer. The only reason why we give him the Baptist thing, he was not a part of that denomination, it was because we try to separate him out from the disciple John. The disciple John and John the Baptizer are two very different people. So John the Baptist, John the Baptist. First of all, we learn some things about him. We know about his family, that Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were godly people. It says in the Bible that they're righteous and uh, obeyed all commands, which was a big thing in the Old Testament, to be able to be righteous, be called that. So they were good peeps. They were good peeps. Uh, uh, Zechariah was, uh, was from a priestly background. In fact, they both were. And he got to serve in the temple. And there he was told, just like Abraham and Sarah, that they would have a child in their old age that where they were childless. And it's interesting, Zechariah, all right, the father of John the Baptist, guess what? He doubts it. He goes, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no way, no way that's going to happen. And so the angel gives him a little incentive to believe better. So he's struck speechless until, uh, until the baby is born. So uh, it's interesting that John the Baptist comes 
from a godly family, but a godly family where there is doubting in the background. John's mom, Elizabeth, was Mary's aunt. Yeah, Mary, the, the mother of God, that, that, that Mary. So, so uh, Elizabeth uh, was Mary's aunt. And so it's interesting when, uh, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's already, you know, showing and, and having, you know, John the Baptist is in there, uh, you know, about ready to come out. And Mary's coming there, and Jesus is just pretty well newly, newly uh, being developed, his human body. Uh, John leaps, just filled with the God's spirit. So if you can just imagine uh, John, godly parents, like really God, like in the, pre- he's a pastor's kid, all right? Pastor's kid. Not only that, he's like filled with the Holy Spirit. He's still in the womb, okay? That's got to be good for something, right? This guy knows and walks with God. So John knew the miracle of Mary's story, filled with the Spirit. And then he comes on the scene, and, and he was called to be a prophet. Comes on the scene, and he lives in the desert. He's wearing uncomfortable clothes, and he's, his eating habits are even more uncomfortable. It's just, he's just somebody that does not fit in with mainstream society. And yet people go out to him because he is on fire to try and get people to live holy lives. And so he starts to say this in Matthew 3. 11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. He's talking about Jesus. Whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And then he gives you a little hint about who Jesus is. And he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His wind-wing fork is in his hand and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You start to get the idea that John might not be a good guy to invite to a party, all right? He just, it's like, he's saying, Jesus is going to come. And guess what? He's going he's gonna to get you guys, and there's going to be fire that comes. And winning for is it, something they sort of beat the grain and throw it up in the air, and the wind takes away the chaff. So he basically says, you, you evil people, you will be the chaff put into the fire. And Jesus is going to come, and he's going to toss you in the air. And all the, you know, the, the evil people will be taken away and burned, which is, uh, frightens everybody. A lot of people come and get baptized. <laughs> so, so his job was basically to introduce the Messiah, get out of the way. In fact, a lot of his, his followers were leaving to follow Jesus. And people were saying, what, what, that, that's a bad thing, you're losing your followers. He said, no, he must increase, I must decrease. I always think of it like a fireworks. Have you ever been to like a Canada fireworks? They shoot off the little stuff, right? And then all of a sudden you know the big stuff's coming, right? How do you know? There's usually some little thing that goes, but, but you know, you know by the sound of you know, the launch that something else. And so everybody looks at that, that area of the sky and then boom, 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 boom. I saw a YouTube video of the biggest firework ever put off in the world. It's amazing. It's like this little one goes, oh, it's not that big. Boom, 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 boom. And then all the booms had boom, 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 boom. And then the whole sky, it was like, oh my goodness. That would be amazing. John's job was to be the little boom. So everybody would look over that end of the sky and go, oh, something more is coming. (laughs) And he points to Jesus. So that was his job. Point to Jesus and get out of the way. Now you go, hold on, hold on. 
didn't he get that whole thing wrong about Jesus, like, burning everybody up? <laughs> like, didn't he get that one wrong? Interesting, in the Old Testament, the Messiah had two faces. The Messiah had the suffering servant, where the suffering servant comes and takes our sins, and, and, and he is a wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's a prince of peace. And he brings these things to our lives, and he does. Oh, my goodness, the peace that God's brought to my life. I can't tell you how many lonely roads he's walked with me. How many bare burdens he's taken that I could not do myself. I don't know how people make it without Jesus. He is that suffering servant that takes my pain on him. And yet the Old Testament also says he's going to come as the judge of the world. Well, which one is it? And the answer is both. Both. As if you're trying to head into a harbor and trying to line things up, there's two lights. And if you, you, all of a sudden, those two lights become like one, then you're heading straight towards the harbor. Who is the Messiah? He is the suffering servant that is going to be with us and love us and help us at the end of the age. He is going to come back. And he will come back to settle all injustice. All the injustice that we try to fix here on this planet, and we do just to make this planet livable, he is going to come and all stops are going to be pulled out. And injustice everywhere will be stopped. In the Old Testament, the two messiahs had two faces. Culture expected during the time of John the Baptist to set up a perfect kingdom on earth that the Messiah would come, Israel would be the focus. Judgment would rain down in the Roman Empire and anybody else that stood in the way. And John just picked this up. He, he understood that the Messiah's judgment would overshadow his servant. And so what happens? Jesus comes. And it's almost, you can almost hear John going, all right, get him. And guess what Jesus does? Blessed are the poor in spirit. <laughs> he, goes, what? he goes around and heals people. And, and people can walk and see. But the Romans are still there. Culture is still broken. There's still oppression. And Jesus is going around touching individuals. And, and John, you, you just almost... See, what, what's, what's going on? What's going on? And so, and so, uh, <laughs> Jesus comes to John to get baptized, to get baptized. In Matthew 3, 13 to 17, when Jesus came from Galilee and Jordan was to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, uh, and you, uh, and, and uh, do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it, uh, let it be so now. It's a prayer. It's proper for us to do uh, what is to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, it's just the right thing to go and get baptized. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was uh, baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, the heavens opened. He saw the Spirit descending like a dove, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. As most of us know, that's a little snapshot of, of the Trinity. The voice of the heavenly father, the dove landing on Jesus and Jesus himself. And so what's going on? John's mind, he knew about Jesus' story. He heard God's voice. He heard it all. And yet Jesus is not doing what he thought he was supposed to do. So John gets arrested for talking poorly about the government. <clears throat> and he's sitting in prison. And when he sits in prison, he's got lots of time think. John is in a valley. We all know how easy it is to believe on the mountaintop, don't we? Uh, we? 
We, we, just, we just love to, to hit uh, God on the mountaintop. John's in a valley, and he's starting to doubt some of the central callings. Did I get this right? So he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, did, did I get this right? And this is his moment of doubt. Are you really the one? And Jesus replies, and this is what he sends as his reply. The blind, uh, Matthew 11, the blind receive sight, the lame walk. Uh, who, uh, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So you'd, you'd expect Jesus to send back to John, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. Right? <laughs> right. That's how I would write the Bible. Right. No, don't worry about John. I'm, I'm the guy. All right? He goes and does two interesting things. Number one, he quotes a Bible verse that John would know. Who knows? They might have known it as kids together. They might have, like, come, and, and that must, might have been a, a problem. I, I mean, like, a, a part of, of, of their relationship. And, and in a way, Jesus is saying, Read the Bible again, John, and then look at what I've done. Can you slow down and just, you want me to judge everybody, but stop and actually look what I have done. The, the place that Jesus is quoting is in the Old Testament. It's one of the greatest Old Testament prophets. And this is what, uh, what it says in Isaiah 35, 4-6. Now look at the confusion of the two lights of the Messiah. Here we go. Isaiah 35, 4-6. Be strong, this is Old Testament, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come, all right? Your God will come. This is the Messiah. He will come with vengeance. There it is. John goes, I like that part. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then there will be lame, will, uh, uh, then will the lame leap like deer, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. So Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament, and he says, listen, I'm going to leave out the vengeance part. I'm not going to talk to you about the vengeance part. That's going to come. But I'm going to talk to you about the last half, because I'm going to actually come twice. And my first time I'm going to come is going to be God's love, his grace, who calls everyone, who, is, who says, come, all your sins will be forgiven. I will know you personally. I will walk with you. I will give you peace as you go through life. I will give you joy in worship. I will give you love for people that you would not love normally. I will change your life. And if you give your life to me and walk with me through life, I will walk beside you, and it will be beautiful. And there will be moments while you live your life, the rest of the world will go, I want that. And more people will come to me, and that's why I want you to do this. So more people and my family can grow and grow. And when the world just gets too crazy and everything comes unglued, I will finally come down and justice will reign. I will be more justice-oriented than you want me to be. All the perpetrators will be judged. But be careful because there's a lot more than you might think there are. And so God is holding off his judgment to have a time of grace and love. So Jesus is quoting, listen, look at all the wonderful things that are going to happen. 
someday the injustices of the war that we hear will be paid for. Someday the murders that we hear on the right radio will be paid for. Everything that actually we say in anger will be paid for. The one who knows every action and inaction and the motives of the heart will be the judge. The beautiful thing is, if we say yes to Jesus, guess what? He takes all our judgment on himself. And we are free from the judgment of God. Isn't that awesome? He bears our punishment. And so we won't be. And so this is why in these moments we share God's love. We do good to those who actually hurt us. We, we love everyone because we want everyone to know Jesus and his love. And so their sins can be forgiven. And they can stand clean before God and walk with him. It is a beautiful thing. But the two markers are real. And Jesus will come. John liked the vengeance part. Uh, John liked the vengeance part. He missed the other half of Isaiah's prophecy about the kindness and grace of God. John basically expected Jesus to be different. John expected Jesus to be different. John's in a valley. Life is not turning out as he thought it would. It's interesting, the Bible has a lot to say about uh, mountains. <laughs> Abraham met God on Mount Moriah. Moses met God on Mount Horeb. Elijah heard the still small voice. And Jesus was transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration. God meets us at mountaintops. And uh, not too earlier, John the Baptist was on his mountaintop. People were lined up to, for baptism. There were so many people. He had a huge ministry. And all of a sudden, it all drained away. And all of a sudden, he was sitting alone in a prison. It's easy to believe God on a mountaintop. Not so easy to believe in the valley. Heard a little girl asking a pastor once, well, if God loves me so much, why doesn't he make me happy all the time? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. We can smile. A little girl ask us, asked it, but, you know, like a lot of us ask that in our soul of souls sometimes too. I love the, what the pastor said, because there's a lot of other things that need to happen except your happiness. You need to become a good person. <laughs> that, that is just even probably more important than you being happy all the time. And maybe showing a dying world how important Jesus is. Maybe sometimes that takes sadness. Maybe sometimes that takes things that are difficult to do. To even love those who are not lovely. So, in the valley, there are hard things. There's sadness, sometimes persecution, and sometimes we look around and say, where are you, God? Sometimes Jesus turns out to be different than we thought. Perhaps he didn't take away all of life's difficulties on us. Uh, with the, the Christ story that we believe, we believe we live in a war zone right now where good and bad is just battling it out. Jesus will come and eliminate the evil, but for this moment, he walks with us and carries our burdens through every battle. Perhaps you came to God in a mountaintop feeling awesome and knowing the, the presence of God. I've known that. The back of Kate taking communion once here at the church. Just God overwhelmed me with his love so much. It felt like crashing waves. I love you. I love you. I love you. I, I got on my knees, and I'm not a, like a knee kind of guy. I'm on my knees and just I kept on sensing, 
God loves me. He died for me. He knows everything I'm going through. He loves me. He loves me. And I just had to stand there going, I don't deserve a thing of this. But I love you too. If you ever hear me starting to talk to Jesus or the Father in my prayer about I love you, that's because of that stuff. I know his love for me. Sometimes you've met God on a mountaintop, but then you come home from the retreat. And the feelings just aren't there anymore. Well, John the Baptist was sitting in a lonely valley, and it's easy to doubt in the valley. Great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for pointing out that difficult situation. Amen. Let's go. There is a solution. It was what Jesus did. Jesus gave him a verse of scripture and reminded him of the good things. Come on, John. You know the verse. Come on, John. You get the vengeance part. That's going to come later on. Say the other part. Oh, yeah, the, the blind. Yeah, that's important for blind people. Yeah, the lame. Yeah, that's important for lame people. In fact, just to show you my power, I raise people from the dead. That's important. This is important. Because I'm not doing the one thing you want, John, don't forget about all the other things I am doing. And I think that's the message of the story. Just because I'm not doing the one thing you want from me, don't forget of all the things I've done. I've given sight to the blind. Remember the good I have done. Because... I think this lesson needs to get down into our souls too. Now, there's some things that we really want God to do. Come on, don't we? I do. I, I could pull out the list. No, no, it's just, no, it's more than one. Let's be honest. I got a list of things I really want God to do. And I talk to him regularly, daily about these things. But I can't let the one thing that's not happened Make me forget about all that he has done for me. And so I need to remember, I need to talk to Jesus and ask him to remind me of all the good things that he's done. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And for some of us, I know how you feel right now because you're in the valley and you just can't even think of one. If that's you, you need to go back further in your life. Go back further, and the further you go back, you'll start to remember things that God has done for you. I do this. I, I practice everything I preach, by the way. <laughs> so I go, okay, God, where will, you, where will you take me? How far back do I need to go to see your goodness? Oh, man, you gave me a mom and dad. I got to have one of each. Not everybody does. That's awesome. And I know my parents didn't go to every sporting event I had. and My mom got all crazy about school, so I had to be crazy about school. <laughs> I can't tell you the number of sheets of spelling words around the room that did no good. Spell correct, you know, is going to come. I just knew it. it was a, I just knew it. Gave me a mom and dad. My dad loved Jesus. Both of them did. My dad especially taught me about the good news of Jesus Christ. He sent me to this crazy camp. I wanted a girlfriend. He sent me to an all-boys camp. Thanks, Dad. I'm excited about this. 
Cam changed my life. I got to see answer to prayer, answer to prayer, answer to prayer. Until a moment, I, I went out into the backfield and said, God, if this is what you're like, man, I want you. I'm all in. I want to serve you the rest of my life. As a 16-year-old guy, I said, man, I'm in. And then, then, then and God came as crazy Jewish kid as my friend in high school. Had a, had a spirit-filled gift of evangelism. He'd just go tell people about Jesus, and they'd all go, yeah, sure, I'm in. Thank you, God. That changed my life. I went off to a school. I was going to do pre-med things in, in U of T, uh, uh, Western and then and go off to Bible college maybe. God sent me to a school that changed my life. It just changed everything. I got to see the wideness of God's mercy through all different denominations, through, through all different groups. It was, it was amazing. It changed my life. I just, I just started to go back this, this whole week going, look at all the good things you've done, all the good things you've done, all the good things you've done. Oh, God, you're good. You're good. Yeah, there's still some things I want you to do. Don't get me wrong. But there's so many good things you've done. God, remind me. Remind me. Remind me of the good that you've done. And that's what I offer to you, my friends. Are you in the midst of, well, Jesus just didn't turn out the way I thought he would? Then ask him. Ask him. Ask him not when you get home or sometime this week. Ask him when we're worshiping now. God, remind me of the good things we're done. In fact, I'm going to take a moment. I want you to just ask God. God, remind me. If you can't think of anything, start going back. Start going back. And, and he'll show you some good things he's done. He will. I know he will. If you ask him, he answers these, these prayers. And then just remind him. God, remind me of the good that you have done. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. I, I love the story of this, uh, this guy. His name is Blaise Pascal. Uh, he was, uh, he was a, a scientist in the 1600s, uh, a contemporary of Descartes. He was brilliant, a child protege. He was a mathematician. He started to work on calculus, so you have him to blame. He invented the first calcul calculator in 1650s, which we have him to thank. <laughs> he studied vacuums. He was just very brilliant. But in his brilliant scientific mind, he met Jesus. <laughs> he met Jesus. Changed everything. He became a better scientist. And he was just in love with God for his life. And uh, when he, he passed away, his family didn't know this. When, when the, the undertaker would, took off his jacket, they noticed a very wrinkled old parchment that he had written and had um, safety pinned in the back of his jacket. So everywhere he went, everywhere he hung up his jacket, he would remember this. He would remember this. And, and I read what he, he wrote on the back of his jacket. And I was going to try and... and and squish it down, you know, into something, you know, a bite-sized piece that those of us in 2022 can, can take. But I thought, no, I'm going to read the whole thing. This was written in the back of his jacket. And why did he write it in the back of his jacket? Because he wanted to remember the good things of God. So, Blaise Pascal, what did you write? <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get through this. <laughs> 
Because I've met the same God as he has. Fire. God of Abraham. God of Isaac. God of Jacob. Not of the philosophers and of the learned. Certitude, certitude. In other words, he was so sure. Joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ. My God and your God. Your God will be my God. Forgetfulness of the world and everything except God. He is only found by the ways taught in the gospel. Grandeur of the human soul, righteous father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. Joy, 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 tears of joy. I have departed from him, and they have forsaken me, the fount of living water. My God, will you leave me? Let me not be separated from him forever. This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God. The one that you sent, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I left him. I fled him. Renounced, crucified. Let me never be separated from him. He is only kept securely by the ways taught in the gospel. Renunciation, total and sweet. Complete complete submission to Jesus Christ. May I not forget your words. Amen. (laughs) He He didn't want to forget that. It was dated. November 23rd, 1654. And it says from about half past 10 at night until half past midnight. (laughs) Something happened. And he met God. And through life, he did not want to forget that. I'm going to ask just to have a time of silence. And let's just ask God. God, can you help me remember one thing? of your goodness to me. Let's do this seriously. Let's pray that together and let's be quiet for a moment. Heavenly Father, I believe you hear every prayer. And I pray in the stillness of silence, God, that you would remind us of one good thing that you have done in our past. Spirit of God, I invite you to speak to us. Oh, God, I can't manufacture you. You are just real. I can just invite you to come. Come during the worship. Come in the prayer corner if there's burdens that need to be released. Come and meet those who are believers around the communion table. For those on the way to you, Father, if they've never given their life to you, God, come right now. And, and hear our prayer. Church, could you, could you help those on the way to God? If, can we just say this prayer together? Only if you mean it. I, it's going to be a salvation one. It's the one where we just give our lives to Jesus. And if you've done that a hundred times, you can pray along with me. Let's, let's pray this together. Heavenly Father. You can pray that out loud, by the way. <laughs> Heavenly Father. <laughs> I love you. I believe you are real. I believe you sent Jesus to die and rise again. To take all my sins. 
thank you. I give you my life. Take it. And use me for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, let's worship him. Let's listen to the goodness of God as we worship. Take it away, amazing team. All right.